For Illinois Issues, I'm Sean Crawford. Managing the COVID-19 crisis will require information that guides decisions. The Institute of Government and Public Affairs at the University of Illinois has brought together experts to measure the impact of the pandemic and develop a roadmap for reopening. As part of our Illinois Issues report, I talked with the Institute's director, Robin Fretwell-Wilson, about the project. So the effort was really trying to give a kind of way to think about the problem as it sifts down to the state and lo- you know, to the local level. Um, and I think decision makers aren't going to have the kind of expertise at the ready that the governor um, and that IDPH has. And so they will be trying to manage a lot of information and making their own individualized decisions. So we're hoping to um, expand the kinds of considerations that are um, you know, unfolding where there'll be information about the economic impacts as well as the public health impacts and give folks a way of thinking about um, some of the, quote, trade-offs. It seems that a big problem with reopening the state is that, you know, most parts of Illinois still lack enough testing for a real clear picture of the spread of the virus. So how can these decisions on reopening or partial reopening be made and people have confidence in those? That is a really great question. I mean, one of the things that we note in the piece um, for Illinois issues is that, you know, some national players uh, peg the state at at needing it like, you know, tens and tens of thousands of tests. And we are far under those numbers. That's increasing to the credit of the state. It's been, you know, doing gigantic lifts to get us to where we are now. Um, But that's a very difficult question because some of these metrics, even for moving from phase two to phase three, which, you know, is breaking the state into four regions, they they are keyed and pegged to how many people um, are COVID positive. And when we can't do tremendous amounts of tests, it's hard to know whether we even hit that metric. Um, People are going to want to, um, they're going to need to have the confidence to come back into Um, the public space. So the more tests that we can have, obviously, the more confidence they'll have about that. And even then is, you know, from from the research and from people you've talked to, it seems like that's going to take a while for people to have that confidence to say, uh, yeah, I know that maybe officials are are telling me it's okay to go back, but but, but I'd prefer not to at this point. So it seems as though this could be a long haul to get uh, folks back to a point of where they're comfortable going into restaurants and going back to work in some cases. I think that's right. You know, um, the Institute of Government and Public Affairs has done um, a task force about the impact of COVID-19 on the state. We've also tried to build up some understanding that's not just coming from um, government officials themselves about, you know, what's the pulse of people in Illinois. So we created a pandemic stress indicator that I'm doing with a colleague named Brian Gaines. And basically, we're polling three sets of, quote, experts on public health, on vulnerable populations, and on the economy to ask them questions um, about when do they think it's time to to move, and if you relax restrictions, what does that look like, and how would that happen, and who should be the decision maker? And I think that kind of information coming from Um, these panelists will be helpful to the state decision makers as it falls from the governor into the laps of, um, you know, the cities and the counties for them to have kind of that information. It'll give them 
maybe a way for them to see public confidence coming back, but also to build public confidence. You know, if the folks that um, are in touch with these questions and with vulnerable people are saying, yeah, it's time, you know, then I think the public can have a lot of confidence in that too. I know also discussed in the report uh, was to make sure that any harm, but also any benefits of policy decisions were shared as fairly as possible. Can you talk about that point about making sure that there's fairness in all of this? Economists often talk about these problems as sort of trade-offs and trying to minimize the total harm or maximize net benefit. And one of the things that I think we forget when we look at minimizing or maximizing is that some people take it on the chin harder than others. And if, if we could have three decisions that are all going to maximize the same way, but one of them doesn't have a set of, of Illinoisans really taking the hit, then we should scratch the one, you know, that, that has a set of people taking the hit in favor of the other two. That's going to require, I'm guessing, a uh, real concerted effort from, you know, top down, from, from government, maybe even at the federal level, all the way to, to local officials and local leaders, local business leaders. I think that's right. I think it does require all levels of government. Um, and right now we've had the federal um, government acting. We've had the um, Illinois governor acting and very responsibly uh, to get us to where we are right now. But as this filters down, there will be immediate decisions um, that we're faced with that local authorities get to make their own calls on that I think sometimes can make something worse for an identifiable population or something better. So just a specific example, we, um, as a part of this larger task force, uh, released a policy spotlight on the drop in child abuse and neglect reports to the hotline that has happened and it's been precipitous as you know we're like sitting at about 47 percent of the normal number of reports now why is that well because these kids have suddenly become unseen right they're not going to see their teachers every day they're not seen by the school nurse they're not seen by a school social worker so what could you do with that well you might get your firefighters out um, walking in the neighborhoods just talking to kids you know to build up the number of eyes and ears you know, it's almost a call to be creative, you know, to think to think about the people who are likely to have been disproportionately impacted, like children. And then and then think outside of the box. How can we, even with all the other constraints that we have, how can we do something constructive as to this specific vulnerable population? Along with balancing the public health and the economic arguments, this has also become highly politicized. And what challenges does that bring? So if I came to this pandemic vulnerable to the economic risk, let's say I drove an Uber, okay, I'm going to care deeply about getting that economy back online, right? Getting this reopening in place. And it's going to feel really personal. And You know, if I'm an older person, like older than 60 or whatever, um, and I'm vulnerable to the virus, the public health risk is going to seem very, very existential to me. And I think what's difficult for the state um, and local um, decision makers is that every aspect of what they are trying to juggle and maximize, quote unquote, to use the economic term, is is existential to someone. Um, And I think we want where we can, I think we're morally obliged 
to try to minimize the fallout for those people who started Fragile. And I look at the document, which is not my document, it's something that I, I, I uh, wrote um, using the wisdom of this full council, you know, a whole set of people who have long been part of IGPA, the economists and new voices. But the wisdom of that council, I think, tells us that this is a hard problem. Um, it's not insoluble. It doesn't have to defeat us. And we can find consensus, but I think we have to be completely candid and honest about some people coming to this problem, more fragile than others, and that you know, people face and, and are experiencing these risks differently depending on their vantage point because it's going to crater their life. And you mentioned that vantage point. I'm fortunate that I'm able to work and be paid during this. You're doing the same. Not everybody is that lucky. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting at my second home right now, Sean. Mm -hmm. Okay. My father had like a third grade education and grew up in Appalachia went into the military, changed the whole arc of his life. And a lot of my family um, still lives very, very modestly like my dad, like his beginnings, okay? My sister is so grateful to have a job at Walmart because Walmart doesn't close. And, but for that, if she still worked at the gas station that she worked at last year, this would have cratered her whole life. And she is as eager to get the world back on track and open as anybody um, because she works in retail and even Walmart, you know, if, if we get bludgeoned as an economy, even they're gonna feel it. And she's one of the last people hired there. So she'll be one of the first people to go. It's very easy for me to, you know, as, as, as somebody at the university and, and, you know, as a faculty member, to kind of say, yeah, hey, let's focus on the public health risk. In other parts of my own family, those economic risks are really, really incredible. And I'll tell you, it terrifies me. My sister um, has, has is living with my mother, okay? My mother's right. 84 years old. And my sister's trying to hold on to a livelihood in the middle of this, but going home to my mom. And so we like talk all the time about how are you washing your hands? Are you bringing this into the house with my mom, right? We're trying to manage that from a distance and talk about that. So, you know, even in my little tiny family, um, you have people who are gonna be laser focused on this risk very, very differently um, because of the vantage point that they sit at. Um, and for the people who have modest lives, I think the economic risks are, are super scary. Um, and that gets missed in a lot of what I read. Robin Fretwell-Wilson is director of the Institute of Government and Public Affairs at the University of Illinois. Read more about the task force of experts and the work being done to create a roadmap for safely reopening the economy. You can find that at the website nprillinois.org.